Hello and welcome back to 365 Days of MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, video maker, Oakland native, and a feminist. I'm also a big fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, and secrets, anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. Each day, I'm going to share a few of my favorite deep cuts with you, so let's take a look at today's stories. With a spoiler alert for the plot of the film, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and a trigger warning for the film's content, which does include rape. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff, no, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365. Today, in 2018, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, won the Golden Globe Award for Best Drama, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Director. It was a groundbreaking Golden Globes for more than just the film, but let's reverse and talk about Three Billboards for those who aren't familiar. Three Billboards Outside Epping, Missouri is a mixed-genre film about a woman played by Frances McDormand who takes out ads on Three Billboards, you see where this is going, outside the small town of Epping, Missouri, to keep her daughter's unsolved rape and murder in the public eye after police have stopped paying attention to the crime. Tons of great actors play supporting roles like Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell, Abby Cornish, and Peter Dinklage. The movie came out in November 2017, just in time for the 2018 award season. In the film, Mildred Hayes, played by McDormand, is grieving the death of her daughter, Angela, who died seven months earlier after being brutally raped. The town police hadn't gotten anywhere with their investigation, so Mildred takes matters into her own hands and rents three billboards just outside the town with the slogans, Raped While Dying, Still No Arrests, and How Come, Chief Willoughby. The billboards upset many of the residents of Ebbing, both townspeople and members of the police force. People are especially upset because Chief Willoughby suffers from pancreatic cancer, and Mildred's boards are seen as antagonizing a sick man. People begin to harass and threaten Mildred, but she keeps the billboards up through the vitriol. Though the chief is sympathetic to Mildred's pain, he finds the billboards to be a personal attack and ends up taking out his frustration on those around him. He threatens the businessman who rented Mildred the billboards and arrests a friend of hers for minor drug possession. Bill and Mildred's tension comes to a head when she drills a hole through her dentist's thumb and the chief brings her in for questioning. The confrontation gets bloody, literally, when the chief starts coughing up blood and has to go to the hospital. As the chief grows sicker, townspeople continue to threaten each other and tensions rise. The billboards go up in flames by an unknown person and someone throws homemade bombs at the police station. More happens, but I won't ruin the ending. The messages of the film were unique in that they show a woman taking vengeance out on a man instead of sitting meekly back and accepting the abuses of society. It is adamant in the belief that rape is a serious crime instead of discounting it as a minor offense. Though the specifics of the film are not based on a true story, the director did see billboards about a murder outside a small town and it got him thinking about the premise for the movie. The billboards deeply affected the director and got him thinking about the huge number of unsolved crimes in America, where most of the victims are women. The film was not without its critics. Writing from the New York Times, Wesley Morris called the film a caricature of small-town America. The film was also criticized for its handling of race, in particular how the racist officer Dixon goes through a redemptive story arc without antoning for his racism. Three Billboards had the rare effect of impacting society in tangible ways after its release. In early 2018, a justice group advocating for the victims of the Grenfell Fire in London used the technique from the film of putting advocacy advertisements up, but they did it with vans instead of billboards. 
A Florida activist group based out of the Parkland shooting used a similar technique. The technique continued to be repeated and built upon during protests abroad. When the film was awarded the Golden Globe for Best Dramatic Motion Picture at the 75th Golden Globe Awards, more history was made. The night was already teeming with activist spirit, as many actors and actresses wore black in support of the Time's Up movement and wore hashtag MeToo pins. Tarana Burke, the creator of the MeToo movement, attended the ceremony as a guest of Michelle Williams. Other stars brought activists as guests as well. Susan Sarandon brought Rosa Clement, Emma Stone brought Billie Jean King, and Shailene Woodley brought Kalina Lawrence. Probably the most iconic mashup of awards with activism was Oprah Winfrey's acceptance speech for the Cecil B. DeMille Award. She was the first black woman to win this award. Winfrey told the tragic story of Racy Taylor, a black woman in Alabama who was kidnapped and raped by six white men, and even though the men admitted they did it, two grand juries found them innocent. Amidst an invigorating speech, she ended with, I want all of the girls watching here now to know that a new day is on the horizon. And now for today's music fact. Today in 2013, Rihanna released her single Stay featuring Mickey Echo. One of the more iconic visuals from that music video is the Rihanna in bathtub scene. She ended up performing the song on both SNL and The X Factor. Critics called it the highlight of her seventh album, Unapologetic. Mickey Echo wasn't just featured on the song, he also wrote it and had recorded his own version before Rihanna heard about the song and decided she wanted to record a version herself. The collaboration of the two on Rihanna's version is truly a match made in heaven. And now for our final segment of the day, I'm going to be going into my own photo archives to see what I was up to on a January 7th in my life. January 7th, 2020, I moved into my very first apartment. Um, It's where I live now uh, in Brooklyn. I love it a lot. It is one of, I think, my greatest achievements and the things that I'm most proud of is being able to rent my own place. And um, I live there with my brother. I don't have room for a desk, so I play games inside my closet, but it's super nice. I've really settled into it. It's my first place that's not my family home, and I'm really lucky to be able to live there. Um, Yeah, I love it a lot. That was when I moved in. Uh, It's been a year now, I guess. (laughs) Come back tomorrow for more weird and funky facts, and please subscribe on your favorite podcasting device. I'll see you tomorrow. It's 365 with MXM2. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff, no, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365.